Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, you may know this or you may have noticed this, but uh, the church, like not just Gather, but the church, the whole church, like big C, capital institutional church, is in a little bit of a a moment, like a little bit of a turning point. And um, I don't know where we are in that moment, like if this is the beginning of something really big happening, or maybe we're at the, in the middle, I hope it's not the end, but something's happening. Do you feel that? So uh, who's here familiar, if you'd raise your hand, with the term deconstruction? Yep, <laughs> that's about what I expected. So I thought you might be. So in, in its uh, simplest form, deconstruction is the, the challenging and dismantling of the beliefs or worldview you were given. Because all of us were given a set of beliefs, a way we see the world. And so the process of deconstruction is then to kind of pull those apart, examine them, and then decide what should stay. And um, it's, a, it's a really difficult process. And if you're a person who you have considered yourself to be or currently are deconstructing, uh, then you know it's a really difficult process and can be kind of identity shaking. But in spite of that difficulty, there have been hundreds of thousands of people who have been in this process in our culture over the last several years. And uh, some say that deconstruction is like killing the church, that it's just shallow doubt and it's pessimism. Uh, And some people say that deconstruction is the answer. But regardless of what you think about it, we, Christians, church people, you're at church on Labor Day weekend, so you're church people today, okay? Church people, we're in, a, we're in a moment, like something is happening. And um, today we'll be finishing uh, the Gospel of John. This is our last week in the Gospel of John together. And um, this is a, it's a beautiful, mysterious, poetic book about this rabbi, Jesus, who teaches and heals and forgives, Jesus included, and he served. And then in the end, Jesus was arrested and unfairly tried and unjustly executed, and then Jesus, by his own divine love, is raised from the dead. And today we're going to look at this passage right towards the end of the Gospel of John, and it's just one of the, there's not that many stories, just one of the few stories of what happens after Jesus is raised from the dead. Everyone has seen their friend and their teacher, their spiritual leader, Uh, they saw him executed, And they've heard that maybe he's alive again. And we get this interaction between Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 20. And I think for us, though it may not be obvious when you read it, I think for us it could be a real vision of what the church maybe could and should be in the future. And so here's what uh, John 20 says. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So I, I get that it may not jump off the page, but I do believe that this is a simple story. It's, it's really small uh, towards the end of the book of John. I think for us, it could be a vision of what the church maybe should be. There's these disciples, these guys, they're, they're huddled together um, because they've all been through something really terrible, like, absolutely terrible. They all thought that they were a part of something amazing. They, they were 
they thought they were part of something really meaningful. And they've been following this guy, and they, they watched him heal people with their own eyes. And then all in one moment, it, seem, it seemingly was squashed, right? Jesus is arrested, and then he dies. And they watched him die, and they're like, well, that was uh, something, but it's over now. Right? They spent three years of their life. They thought it was the most meaningful thing they could do, and then it was squashed all at once. Right? They're hurt. They're traumatized. Uh, they're afraid. It says, it says they're afraid of the leaders because they think maybe as associates of Jesus, they're going to end up with the same fate that Jesus had. Right? Because they're doing the same things Jesus was. So if Jesus is uh, unfairly arrested and unjustly crucified, maybe they're supposed to be next. It's, it's terrifying. And then Jesus shows up in the room, just kind of shows up. That's all we get, that he just like appears in the room. This is the guy they, they watched die just three days earlier, appears in the room. And I think it's especially meaningful for us today to notice what Jesus doesn't say in this passage. Okay, so here's what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, don't be so scared. He doesn't say, uh, put your faith over fear. Good bumper sticker, but Jesus doesn't say it. Jesus doesn't say, why are you hiding? He doesn't say, why aren't you in the street defending my reputation? Jesus doesn't say, didn't you get it when I told you I'd be gone and I'd come back three days later? I thought you were smart enough. Weren't you following along with this whole thing? He doesn't do any of that. All Jesus does, right? No judgment, doesn't chastise them for feeling any kind of way. He just says, peace be with you. He says it twice, peace be with you. And the word for peace gets used a lot in the Gospels. Jesus uses it a lot. And it can be easy when we're reading this and kind of feeling how maybe we would respond if a bunch of people were uh, that scared in our presence. When we hear peace, we sometimes think that Jesus, we might would think that Jesus is saying some version of like, um, stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. Or um, just like calm. Or, um, you know, everything's going to be fine now. Maybe that's what we want Jesus to be saying. But the word that Jesus speaks is actually closer, probably, to the English word wholeness. And like a lot of ancient languages, this word is supposed to kind of conjure up an image in our mind, like almost kind of paint a picture that when we hear it, uh, we don't think of like everything going, it's not smooth sailing, though maybe that's what we want. The, The image that we're really supposed to see when we hear this word from Jesus, peace, is one of disparate parts coming together of things that are separated being tied back into one, into wholeness. The real word might be closer to integration, but that would be kind of a weird thing to speak over people (laughs) in English, you know? Integration with you. We're like, yeah, we don't pass the integration at church, so that's not really our deal. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you can be whole. And what that means is that Jesus doesn't dismiss any of what they're feeling. Everything can be integrated. Everything belongs. It isn't, don't be so afraid. Why are you hiding? Why aren't you defending my name? It's none of that. It's just experience my wholeness. Experience integration. Everything can be integrated. And then Jesus acknowledges his own vulnerability, his own weakness. He shows them his scars and says, you're being sent like I was sent, like this, weak, vulnerable, scarred. That's how Jesus proves who he is. And then finally, these disciples are sent out with the presence of God. And I don't want to be uh, overly dramatic, but I, I can't help it, so you're just going to have to deal with it. 
But I, I feel like in some ways this is so similar to where we are right now as a culture, as church people. You know, we've, uh, we've been through a lot collectively and individually the last few years, and some of you have been through more than the rest of us. Uh, you know, I've seen my black and brown friends have to justify their humanity and just that they're, just their bodies. I've seen my LGBTQ friends uh, have to defend their existence, that they even exist. I mean, we all went through a pandemic. We have suffered trauma. We are afraid, reasonably, understandably. But this is the vision for Christian community we get in John chapter 20. Afraid, but together. Wounded, but sent. And today, I just want you to know, I want to make sure you hear that Jesus isn't chastising or judging any of what you're feeling. Your fear is reasonable. Everyone's afraid. And no one is saying you're not allowed to be. The word made flesh is speaking over you integration. Not that you should dismiss those feelings, but that maybe that could be a part of your wholeness. Afraid, but together. Wounded, but sent. I think this could be the mission of the future church. With no shame, we just acknowledge all of who we are. Our fear, our woundedness, our powerlessness, our trauma. We feel it and dismiss none of it. And then we're sent out into the world with woundedness, not with power or certainty. And in general, I think this is where uh, the church has just kind of missed it. Like we read this and we're like, okay, yeah, we're afraid. But then Jesus is going to show up and Jesus is going to make everything better. Cosmic problem solver. Jesus is going to say, don't worry. If you're with me, life's going to be easy. Everything's good. And yeah, we're sent out, but when we're sent out from Jesus, the way we're supposed to be sent out is with certainty and power and control. And that's kind of been the MO of church and church people. If I follow Jesus, everything's going to be fine. It's all good. Cosmic problem solver. And I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to tell everybody else about how sure I am about that set of beliefs. But Jesus doesn't solve all these guys' problems. Most of them, they end up being martyred because they're sent out like he was sent out with woundedness, powerlessness. He isn't telling them to calm down. He isn't telling them everything's going to be better. He's just speaking integration and wholeness and sending them out, not with power or certainty, but with weakness and woundedness. And so I just wonder if we might could see our mission in the world as not being right or being powerful or being persuasive, but what if our mission and purpose in this world was just to be radically honest about who we actually are? fully vulnerable in the world. Being sent like this, show your scars. Admit when you're afraid. Be soft. Just be the kind of person that's soft, that you say out loud to someone, that made me scared. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of parents in the room, and my guess is you were kind of scared this week. And I hope you told someone, I'm scared about my kids going back to school. You just say it out loud. I'm afraid. That's how we're meant to be sent out. Afraid, but together. Uh, I recently uh, heard some 
uh, research by Dr. Wendy Mogul, and Dr. Mogul is a, a family uh, psychologist, and she traveled around the country interviewing uh, middle school and high school students, and she asked them all kinds of questions about just who they were and what they were dealing with, but she ended every interview with these middle school and high school students with the same question. She asked all of them, uh, what is one thing you would want me to tell your parents? She asked them all, same question, and uh, the number one response, like by far, from these middle school and high schoolers uh, was, um, please chill out. <laughs> Just calm down. That's what, that's what middle school and high school students, what are their parents to know? And maybe uh, if you remember being a middle schooler and high schooler, that seems like good advice. And I'm not, I, I'm, just to be clear, I'm giving zero parenting advice here. But to me, from my point of view, from my perspective, it seems as if the church and church people have tried to play the role of parent in our society a little bit. And this is what Dr. Mogul says about her research uh, into parenting. Uh, she says that we are so devoted to getting everything right that we interfere with the bond of trust and grace. And I just think, as church and church people, and you're here today, so you're, you're church people today, that we've just, we've mistakenly played the role of the overbearing parent at the cost of trust and grace with the world, with that bond. Uh, the church has policed the behavior of just about everyone when no one asks us to. The church has tried to enforce rules when no one asks us to. We've embraced a posture of power and superiority above our world that we look out and say, oh yeah, I mean, we're definitely better than everyone else. And people just don't trust the church anymore. People don't trust church people, they definitely don't trust pastors. And it makes sense. It's understandable. And so I think that it's time for the church to stop seeking power and control. That the time for us to seek our own certainty is just over. It's not working. And we are in a moment. Something is happening. And I think the moment is begging us to be radically honest, to be fully human to our world, to be afraid, but together. And I just, I wanna be clear about what I'm saying today, okay? And it's a holiday weekend, so we can get into it. Let me pull, let me give myself some slack here, okay? We, together, at Gather, what this means, that we're not seeking certainty, that we're not dismissing anything, that we don't want power or control or superiority over our world, what that means is that we are offering together an alternative vision for Christian community. It is different than other places, right? Not rooted in certainty, not rooted in confidence, not rooted in power. There's no control over anyone else's lives. We just plant ourselves in radical honesty, powerlessness, and community, afraid but together. And so I don't really, I'm struggling with how to say this today. Don't come to church here because you think we're the most right. That's not why I want you to come to church here. If you start coming to church here and you say, these guys are the most right and everyone else is the most wrong, that's not it. This is not about being certain in our beliefs. Church is not about having perfect doctrine and then lording it over everyone else. 
Church is about acknowledging the full scope of our humanity and believing in a spirituality, a Christianity, that might actually be large enough to integrate all of it. Where nothing is dismissed, where everything has a place. And this is an alternative vision for Christian community. And I know that our musicians are good and the venue is trendy. I get that, okay? But I just refuse to fall in line with the dominant Christian world that says we should be focusing on metrics and fundraising strategies and church growth. We refuse, I just refuse to cater to the powerful and the wealthy at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable. And so we are presenting, because of who you are, we are able to present an alternative vision for Christian community where everything belongs, where every person belongs, where every feeling belongs, where every past belongs, where every present belongs and every future belongs. Everything belongs. Nothing is dismissed. Everything can be integrated. And that's what I believe this moment in our world is calling us to, to be afraid, to feel it, to be human, but just be together, to be vulnerable and wounded and powerless and soft. And I think that, in some ways, could be the vision for what church, for what beloved community could be. And so for you, have you thought of the church and have you thought of church people and church leaders as a place of certainty and power? Have you thought of it as a place where we're supposed to pursue rightness? We all get together and we say, what's the right way to be right today? I've been to plenty church experiences where we all get together and we say, aren't we glad that we're right and everyone else is wrong? And church mostly just felt like high-fiving. Just like, whew, glad we're, I'm glad we're right. We just all high-five each other for it. And I wonder for you, do you think that posture of pursuing rightness, power, certainty, do you think that posture has interfered with your bond of trust and grace with the church? with church people. Like, like maybe for you, the church has played the role of overbearing parent instead of playing the role of wounded partner. Like maybe you've never felt connected to church because you have perceived or experienced a weight of judgment from the church. Or maybe you've just felt controlled. That you say, I show up and people are seeking to control my behavior and my identity. And maybe that for you has interfered with your bond of trust and grace. And what would it look like for you to embrace a posture of weakness and vulnerability in the world? It might start with you just uh, admitting to yourself when you're feeling weak or afraid or vulnerable? That you look inward first? So, so instead of just um, uh, showing some vulnerability, actually experience it for yourself. So to notice when you say, you know, I am really afraid today or I'm feeling anxious today or I'm not in a good place today. Maybe you haven't said that to yourself enough that um, you've, achieved your way past feeling anything. So maybe it would just mean kind of noticing in yourself, I'm, I'm feeling powerless today. I'm feeling afraid today. And then I think you need somebody to say that out loud to. A partner, a group of people, a pastor, a therapist. 
I would love to help you find any of those things. Maybe not a partner. That's not really what I do. <laughs> That's not my deal. But the rest of them I'm happy to do. But you need somebody. You need a community. Like you're allowed to be afraid, but you should be afraid together with somebody. That you, that you look somebody in the eye and say it out loud. That's what you need. What, what, what would it look like for you to embrace that posture of weakness and vulnerability? Right? This is our vision for Christian community. Afraid, but together. Wounded, but sent. Not seeking certainty, not rightness, just vulnerable, weak, soft. I wonder if you have ever known or um, maybe been a person who has been in a season of life where you're trying on a lot of identities. Have you ever known this kind of person? Maybe you could imagine a college freshman, right? So like if you've known a college freshman, maybe by like the end of October, you run into them and they tell you about the record player they bought. You're like, okay. <laughs> and then they grow a beard because that's like their new identity. They're like, have you seen my beard? I can grow a beard now. And uh, then the next time you see them, they're like a fitness bro, and they're listening to the Huberman Lab and talking about intermittent fasting. You're like, cool, cool, cool. And then they go by their middle name. Has anyone done any of these things? You're like, oh, that was me. And then by the summer, they're just kind of back to their old self. They're like, that was a good try. I tried all of that. That's not me. And uh, in full transparency, I have tried to be every kind of Christian. Like, I've tried to be every kind of Christian. And some of you have known me at those different points in time. Like, I've tried to be the scholarly Christian who's, like, writing and researching and debating. It's really, like, debating. Those are the worst kinds of Christians. <laughs> I've tried to be the missionary Christian. I, I've gone to lots of foreign countries to share good news with people. My version of good news, not theirs. I've been the helper, the servant, who's tried to serve with as many nonprofits as possible, bringing my white saviorism in every time. I've tried to be pious. I've tried to be pure. I've tried perfection. I've tried power. I've tried to build my own platform, and I've tried to do it alone. I have tried just about every single kind of Christian identity. And now, because of who you are and because of who we are together, I'm just going to try to be myself. My honest, vulnerable, weak, soft, human self. And it turns out that that is all that has ever been asked of us. No one is chastising your humanity. No one is judging your full range of emotions, your fear or your weakness. And together, I think we can embrace a spirituality, a Christianity that is big enough to hold all of our humanity. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Trust that your humanity is all that is required. No certainty, no power, no piety, just humanity. Be afraid, but be together. Be wounded, but be sent. Be human and be loved. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.